Hello? Third floor. I'm meeting our next guest in my apartment, which is just outside of the Luxembourg city. And although we sit for an hour or so on the comfy sofa, drinking water and having tea, our guest will take us today for a trip, approximately nine and a half thousand kilometers away from Luxembourg. My name is Konrad, and you're listening to episode four of the Chronicles of Curious Characters. My name is Hans de Horst. I am Dutch and have been living since my 24th year abroad and via Stockholm, Paris, London, and now living in Luxembourg. So you, since your 24th year, you've been living abroad? I'm 61 now. I was just asking, so for like only <laughs> one or two years? <laughs> No, it's been it's been a while. Because the the number of the countries that you lived in it's quite impressive, and I guess you just didn't live there for one or two years. It was quite an extended period of time that you spent there. Yeah, six years in Sweden, eight years in Paris. I think about eight years or something in London. So yeah, that's uh, and now ten years here, I guess. Ten years in Luxembourg. You decided to stay in Luxembourg consciously or it was just a decision of well it was not really a decision but just things like work and other things keep you here it's retirement and it's easy to put all the retirement money into luxembourg it's uh, so it's all about that i see it's, it needs to be the end point and actually i was uh, i was talking with someone who is already retired and the person has retired in luxembourg but uh, as i thought a retired person has a lot of time to do for all their projects and activities. Uh, this guy is very busy and he actually doesn't have enough time the whole week for, for his work. So don't think that when you retire, you will have all the time for bicycling or, or traveling around. Uh, about traveling around, I think uh, you have visited also other countries, not only those that you lived in that you just mentioned. And there is one particular country that is close to your heart as well as your marriage. <laughs> Would you like to tell us more about that? My wife is Japanese and I've been to Japan extensively. I mean, we typically went every second year until COVID, of course, started to, to throw a, a monkey wrench into the proceedings and delayed us. But yeah, so we, I've been to Japan sort of every year or every second year since late 1990s. Uh, so even before I met my wife and even before I married, I was already visiting Japan. It's been fascinating and I had the opportunity to join a couple of friends. So I went there and I had a good time. Then, of course, well, not really related, but I met my wife on the internet. So yeah, then you get pulled into, you have some inside view and you got some pulled into uh, a lot of different things that as a tourist you don't have the opportunity to do. And maybe let's start from the beginning, because Japanese culture is completely different from, let's call it, a European culture. And you mentioned that you were fascinated from the beginning with, the, with Japan. What was the main thing or few things that, that made you so attracted to, to Japan? 
well, I was a lot of, you know, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, watching anime, reading manga, and so that was the same for me. So I was like, you know, exposed to, to, to that a lot. I was living in Paris at the time. France is, is like one of the most, yeah, I mean, they had Club Dorothée on TV uh, for, for years and years. Uh, so everybody was watching anime in French language. So yeah, it was, uh, was interested. And uh, friends of mine, uh, he was married to a Japanese wife. They visited every year. So they asked me to join them. It was, uh, yeah, my first visits to Japan. And you learned the language because you also speak Japanese. I speak Japanese. I did the JLPT test. I got the uh, the lowest grade there. I passed that. So I did the. So I started studying Japanese because one of the things is that you know still true these days, but people don't really. I mean, they study a lot of English, but they speak very little English. And was it hard, difficult for for you to learn Japanese because it's completely different uh, type of language that we usually speak. It's sort of completely backwards and upside down. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 weird. The you know the the, the adjectives have inflections. Uh, you know they have a negative form and a past form. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of ways to mess up. Let me put it like that. It also, I think, forces you to think in a completely different way. Yeah, and there are like a lot of reasons. So if you order three coffees. You cannot say sankohi because nobody will understand you. They look at you like you're an idiot. They haven't understood. So you need a counter if you want to have a number of things. You need to use a counter word. And the counter words, you know, for something that is round and small, it's ko, like, you know, eggs or something like that. Flat things have different counters and, you know, it's, it's like, it's a nightmare. Well, I think we could talk for hours yeah we can talk about that. about uniqueness of uh, japan japanese culture and, and and the language but i think there was uh, b- before we we met um there was one thing that seemed the most interesting for you as well as quite unique to the japanese culture that we don't find in europe uh, as far as i know unless uh, one would travel to iceland uh, where you probably have a similar thing. I'm talking about uh, onsen. This is that something that you have experienced, and I think you you always uh, enjoy it when you when you go to Japan. Maybe if you could explain to our listeners what onsen is. Yeah, so the, the hot springs, uh, the volcanic hot springs, uh, the onsen, are uh, typically Japanese because you cannot really compare it with you know the spas that you have here. It's, it's quite a different experience. It's, it's a unique experience, and I would recommend anybody to go to Japan to, to, to experience that. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. There are rules. They're well described in any travel guide. It, it's something that, for a tourist, is a little bit difficult to, to go to yourself. The threshold is rather high uh, as a tourist to go there, but uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's really, really enjoyable, really a lot of fun. And, and so that's probably why anybody wanting to experience should really, really go ahead and do it. It's definitely worthwhile. It is one of the most memorable things that you probably do it well whilst in Japan. And uh, could you maybe elaborate what do you mean that the threshold for tourists is high to, to visit these kind of places? Well, imagine, so basically you go to an onsen uh, or a sento, which is a public bath, which is also very nice. 
So let, let's take the case of just entering the bath without staying at a at a luxurious inn or riocam. Um, so basically, you, you you register, you you basically buy a ticket to 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 get in, and then when you need to undress, you need to be naked. Uh, you get a little towel, and one of the things that you need to do and need to remember is that you don't wash in the bathtub, you wash outside the tub and make sure that you're spanking clean. Then you uh, basically have a little towel, you're just big enough to hide your private, <laughs> <Privates. laughs> and then you get in the bath without the towel actually touching the water, so you can put it on the top of your head or on the next to you outside of the bath, out of the water. Uh, and then you just slide in and it's very very hot typically um you feel like you're you're sort of getting boiled but then you feel really relaxed and it's um it's it's very nice uh, the ambiance uh, i mean in the public baths in the santos it's probably just a couple of concrete baths so it's not so nice but the the actual local yeah hot springs are very very nice it's old wood there so that's the the actual bath experience but if you stay at a at a at an inn, so which is basically it's like a hotel, so you stay overnight, so you can go into the baths several times. So you you get there, you you check in, you get your room, you change into a cotton uh, kimono, which is typically difficult to get in my size, and then you uh, yeah you you visit the different baths that they have. It's typically it's split over gender, so you got male baths and female baths. Um, and the, the mixed baths are rather rare. And if there are mixed baths, then there's probably still, you know, uh, male and female baths anyway. So, so yeah, you stay actually the whole duration of the, your visit in the inn, uh, in the Ryokan, you stay, uh, in your cotton kimono and yeah, you have dinner in that, that you have breakfast in that. And, uh, it's, uh, quite, quite a unique experience, uh, quite fun. When you were describing it, I was trying to uh, imagine all different steps. And one of them, you mentioned that you need to wash up before you get to this hot bath. Uh, so you and you have to get to the bath clean, right? So that's the whole idea of washing up before you get to the bath clean without the towel. Uh, so you don't pollute the cleanliness, I guess, with the towel. And then afterwards, is there also uh, any wash up or any ritual that uh, it's advised or that a person has to follow? Um, so typically, uh, when you get out of the bath, then you don't rinse. Although some of the areas we've been, the water was, if you don't, then you basically, you're sort of, you have the feeling that your skin is a little bit burning because the the acidity or the, you know, it's very, the pH of the, it's such that it affects your skin. So then there is a sign saying that it's recommended if you come out of the bath to actually rinse off the, the water with the, the normal tap water. So it doesn't influence your skin. So we were in Yachi Onsen in Aomori where it was legally indicated and we didn't do it enough. And yeah, my my ankles were like, you know, <laughs> the skin turned pretty red. It's like, I was getting itchy and it's like, and then, of course, there was a sign. Of course, it's only displayed in Japanese. So that made it a little bit tricky because I, my, when I was studying Japanese, I really focused on speaking it. 
and not on reading and writing it because I mean I knew that that was out of reach. So I don't read it. So and my wife had to explain it to me. It's like yeah, I need to do that. It's like oh yeah, right. So but that was like a lovely. Yeah, Johnson was really really fun. I was uh, like you know two or two and a half meters of snow on the road there, just driving there, and then you see this shed which was sort of a dark shed-like thing. It's like, well, did we, are we going, really going to stay here? I was like wondering if like, this looks like a little bit uh, run down. And then the experience was really, really lovely. I mean, the food we had was excellent. They had Martins playing outside at night, and there was like a photographer, a nature photographer, who was just leaning out of the window, just snapping shots of the Martins that were just knocking on the... basically. <laughs> around outside the the building and uh yeah so it was uh it's amazing and then we had uh, like a lot of hikes uh, around there through the snow because it was frozen so hard that you could just move on top of the snow on these big fields so it was like a really really uh fun uh fun stay there was that the the best of the onsens that you have visited or there was another one that you are really fond uh, and come back quite often in your memories so it's difficult because i mean the most fun are actually the most rundown ones and uh, i mean there are ones that we had in hokkaido well there was on lake kushiro in hokkaido there were like sort of outside baths so on, there's a big lake in in the center of uh, hokkaido and there are and every here and there there is like spring hot spring water just running into the lake and people had just damped it off put a big stone split it like a male female left right very tiny room to change so we got there it was maybe minus five celsius I was freezing, there was a lot of wind while well, we had driven there and I wanted to try so. Basically I caught in a nip and just jumped into the water. In the headside the water was absolutely fine. <laughs> it was nice. It was like you you were like you like lowering your head just to keep as little as possible above the water because the wind was just like coming over the lake. Really freezing. And uh but the water was absolutely fine. So Getting out, changing back into my clothes was really, really the worst I've ever had. <laughs> so that was that was so that's fun. But then part of the Honsen experience is also, you know, you got all these little baths and, and stuff. But you have also these Ryokan, which are very luxurious and they're very much fun to stay and but they're also very expensive. And and one of the number one onsen that we ever stayed at this is like I think it's the highest rated onsen that they have um, we went for the largest rooms that we had so we basically my wife and I we invited a friend and we had like you know two or three rooms we had a private garden the food was served on a room that was like overhanging the river that was running below it very very delicious food uh, and then the special baths that they were having they were like um Indiana Jones Grotto going into the mountain where you basically had to climb into. Uh, the fun part was that, so that was mixed. And of course, since it was so unique, I mean, a lot of the guys would wear a sort of a skirt. So you basically would strap on the skirt uh, that was hanging past your knees. And the same skirts was worn by the women, but 
you worn over their breasts and then down. So they would, everybody was covered up, but still quite naked, but not showing. So everybody was just joining in there and getting into, uh, climbing into the mountain and the hot water was just running out. So you had all these pools here and there, uh, which so that was a very unique, there was Senny Onsen. It's, if you have the possibility to go there, you don't need to go for the, the highest grade rooms as we did. Like I said, we or like we don't really visit the restaurants like all the local people in Luxembourg do all the time. You know, here where everybody in in uh, yeah spent quite a bit of money every week and Sundays. Uh, so basically, what we do is when we travel, we pick one or two things and we splurge all our money that we've sort of saved over the last year on that. Uh, so that was like really a treat. So that's that's a. Very memorable onsen. It was very nice. Uh, but actually, the ones that are maybe more fun or as much fun are the ones that are just roadside or virtually free. And, and they were very much, uh, very enjoyable. I was wondering if you could describe the experience of, you know, from the beginning until the end. You know, I'm trying to, to imagine myself or I would like to uh, understand all the different steps you know, from the time I, I walk in to the area where the onsen is until I leave. What what are the are there any particular steps that one has to take? Is there any special etiquette uh, that one has to follow? You already mentioned about the towels, uh, about cleanliness, but I wonder if there are some other things that might seem obvious to you because you visited <laughs> onsen so many times but are not, uh, that would be a bit surprising for, for me, for example. If you stay at an onsen place uh, in Ryokan, so at the inn, you check in, you get into your room and you change into the yukata, into the cotton uh, kimono, uh, and you stay there. So that's something that people don't realize, so you don't, change back into your jeans or your shirt or whatever. You just stay around, you walk around. There are a couple of ways to wear it, which it's tricky that you don't know the way that you knot the, you tie the, the band around your waist, uh, how you shift that. It's, uh, there are a couple of things. So that that's something to be aware of. And then you need to understand the difference in the kanji between male and female. So it's nice to actually have that take <laughs> so you don't make, make a faux pas. The, one of the weirdest etiquettes that they have are the slippers in Japan. You will be wearing slippers, but you cannot wear any slippers in tatami rooms. Uh, you cannot wear shoes in tatami rooms. Uh, so if there's a tatami, which is the traditional floors that are made out of woven uh, rice. Uh, so basically they have rooms made out of squares or rectangular shapes that are woven uh, from plant uh, material. Whatever you do, don't wear shoes or slippers on that. So uh, barefoot? Barefoot or socks is fine. Typically the rooms in where you stay are, so there are no beds there typically. So you come into the room, it's all sort of open space with the tatamis. There are a couple of big cupboards typically in the back. But if you're 
going to see the baths and you're having fun there, then you come back and then you notice that people have laid out the futons, uh, which are the mattresses and what we then in Europe call the futons, which is the covers. But all of a sudden they're just rolled out, they have been pulled out of the, the cupboards in the back. So it's not like a hotel room or something like that. So they have big curtains for the areas where the baths are. They're indicated with the U, which is basically uh, the kana for, that's pronounced U, which is basically water, hot water. Then you go in there, then there is baskets for you to put your yukata in, uh, and your, uh, there's an area for you to put your slippers. So you then go in. Uh, typically all sliding doors, you slide the door, you go through the door, then you find on one side, you find little plastic seats in front of very low showers and taps and little buckets. So you crouch down on the uh, plastic seat facing the wall, then turn on the shower, you there's soap and shampoo, you wash, sometimes if I visit different baths, especially well, since I want to show that I know the procedures, I follow the procedures, I wash myself thoroughly four or five times. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, I did it in the last one, so don't, don't check on me. Yeah, and then you've got the bucket, which you can then typically fill up, and then you pour the bucket over yourself to, to rinse. Uh, so make sure that there is no soap clinging to you on the back, or especially in the back of the legs, there's soap seems to be sticking there forever. And then you slowly slide into the bus, and then, yeah, you create and the people that are there, it's like, konnichiwa. Is there a time limit that uh, one can stay in, a, in an onsen, in the bath itself, in the water? It's really depending on yourself, uh, because if you stay too long, then you might feel dizzy and faint. So you don't want to faint in a hot spring, obviously, because... But you might drown, uh, typically. <laughs> so be aware that your head will be turning red and you might get a dizzy spell. So be careful and make sure that you then just sit up and sit on the on the on the edge and to cool down a bit. But yeah, definitely uh, something to keep an eye on. And then once the person is in the bath is there any special etiquette about staying quiet is there any music in the background no music i would not say um it's funny that you mention it i think that the women are having more fun in the baths than the guys the guys typically are quiet and not having any fun if you walk past the baths where yeah, the, the women are taking their bus. There's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of, you know, more, way more interaction. I think it's sort of also a cultural thing where the Japanese guys are probably needing to keep their face up and they cannot let go of their public face as much as, 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 as women are less restricted by it. Having said that, I've had some fun discussions because when they finally discovered that you speak Japanese, then you get hundreds of questions and it's, it's a lot, quite a bit of fun, yeah. So did you have any f funny interactions uh, not being a Japanese, visiting onsens in Japan so many times? I was visiting in the north of Aomori, where it was a fisher town. 
So we were staying at the Ryokan and they had a nice bath. It was fun. But they also had public baths in the town, the Sento, and we decided also to visit them. And one of the things is the more north you come, the warmer, the hotter the baths are. So I was in the town, went to the Sento, and they had three versions of the bath. Hot, boiling, and inferno. So I went into the, the hottest one, well, tried to get in there, like, you know, getting a toe in and a foot in, and it was like really, really hot. You slowly move in there and don't move because the water sort of around you cools down. So if you then move a finger or a muscle, then the water refreshes and you're sort of burning again. So I was, yeah, I'm not that comfortable, but I, I managed to get in there. And of course, then a couple of the local fishermen came in and I was just telling them, it's like, oh, it's so hot. It's like unbearable. And they were laughing their heads off. They were like, nah, this is not hot. I mean, <laughs> they just jumped in. They must have been outside on the ocean uh, fishing. Uh, I don't know. It was like, I think late December or something like that. So it was, they must have been frozen. They just jumped in. They didn't care. So when they jumped in, they stirred the water and they made the the water around you hot again. Yeah. So I was not happy. And I was like, okay, I got out of there. And I was like, because that was one of those parts that I was really yeah, fearful that I <laughs> could faint, you know. It's like, that's my limit. And how long did you stay in that bath? Oh, Perhaps a couple of minutes. A couple yeah. of minutes, okay. Yeah, that was like, okay, I proved myself. I did it. <laughs> and I left the bath to them. But even my wife, uh, she, she told me later that she, she had to fill some cold water into the, the baths to, to cool it down a little bit for her to get in. So she, she was also on her limit. So you mentioned that uh, the baths in the north of Japan are much warmer than the ones in the south of the country. Do you, do you know or do you think if it's related to the geothermal natural situation or is it a cultural preference that in the north they prefer hotter and in the south they prefer colder? I don't really know. I think one of it, it's quite obvious that if you go to, you know, the, the south of Japan to Yufuin, which is a famous uh, onsen town, that you sort of have a swimming pool type it's very open very wide it, it's not very hot and the more north you get the baths are getting smaller and really really hot i think it has to do with the temperature because north of uh, japan there's a lot of snow in winter it's very cold i think people are needing to warm up more so they build the baths for for winter i read uh, through my research that I did before we met and I knew that you you would like to talk about onsen's topic that I didn't have any knowledge before. The, the thing I read about tattoos, apparently by 2015, around 56% of the, the owners of onsen's were prohibiting access to anyone with a tattoo. And the reason for that was apparently they wanted to prohibit access to onsens for the Jakuza members. It's true. Uh, nowadays, uh, I think especially on uh, non-Japanese people, small tattoos are 
sort of allowed or they ask you to put a band-aid on it or something like that but if you have like a bigger tattoo then it's a problem it's definitely a problem if you're tattooed and you want to go to onsen there are onsen and there are documented if you do a little bit of work then you can find also where tattoos are allowed but traditionally indeed it was to to keep the yakuza out um, but of course non-japanese people i mean the people are tattooed here for many reasons and none of them is being a yakuza but it has happened to me that i have been trouble getting into an onsen every now and then uh, people are making up problems uh, it's like well if there's an earthquake if some there's an emergency how will he know what to do and it's like well my wife jumped in and told him it's like he speaks japanese he's not problem so i was allowed in but there are some people are making a little bit of problems tattoos are indeed uh, i mean if you basically get in and you have a tattoo you you might be asked to leave i would also say that it's more and more people are welcoming non-japanese visitors in these parts and do you have a tattoo did you have problems getting to onsen because of a tattoo i don't have any tattoos i haven't really had the urge to get a tattoo but getting into onsen would definitely be a factor for not getting a tattoo so the, the only thing to maybe add also is it's like you can stay at onsen for longer so it's not really it's just a one or two day well basically most time it's just a one night visit uh, you know, you get in the afternoon and you check out in the morning. In some onsens, you can stay for like one or two weeks if you... I mean, the onsens, the water in the onsens, if you go there, there will be a description of the how... what is... what the minerals are in the water and what it's supposedly good for. And some people go for treatment uh, and they stay several weeks, especially in the north of Japan where this is uh, still possible. I'm planning to do it in one of the next times, uh, just stay a week uh, there. Not for health reasons, but just because it seems so, so much fun. Then there is typically also a little shop there. I mean, we went to one of the onsen in Hanamaki, Fujisan Onsen, which is uh, not to be confused by the Mount Fuji, but <laughs> it's the name of the Ryokan. Um, but they have an area where you can stay for, for several weeks and you can cook. There is a common cooking area. And there's also a little shop. My wife knew about it, so we went there uh, to that area and we visited the little shop and I was like an old grand lady, you know, running this shop. And so we talked to her, we I asked a couple of questions. We, we, it was really fun. She was really willing to speak. There was no other customer in the shop, so it was really nice. So then I asked a couple of, so if I could take a couple of photos, and it's like, ah, I didn't really want to. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you're so lovely took a couple of great photos and uh, it was really one of the most rewarding things it's like these little things you know it's not the great things that make a trip it's it's the small things typically if i go to these onsens i'm most of the time the only non-japanese tourist of course there are you know up north there is a couple of areas that are famous with tourists that they come a lot skyview onsen was one of them it's actually pretty awesome place because you know you can ski there there's sort of a, a black slope leading into the onsen area and a lot of people stay there and go skiing and then basically when they're done skiing go into the hot springs and and that was uh, they have a, a very famous bath it's 1000 people bath it's an enormous bath I've seen some old photos where they packed in an enormous amount of people. Having been there, I think you can probably 
put 1,000 people in there. It's it's only a mix, but having said that, basically there is a little area to the side where it's private for women. For the guys, it's just mixed otherwise, you know, because we're supposed to care less, obviously. <laughs> the, the food is not great, but it's, it's a popular place. It's, so it's also, I mean, from Almory, uh, the, the city of Almory, there is, I think, a direct bus service to to that onsen, so it's quite popular with, with tourists. So that's as popular, but a lot of these other places, basically, it's it's just uh, very few people. I mean, onsens are recommended, and there are some areas tourist guides will recommend, and that's one of the problems I see with the tourist guides, because they highlight certain areas, and then people sort of think, okay, that's the only place I have to go completely missing out on a wealth of experiences. And also contributing to that problem is the Japan Rail Pass. So if you go to Japan as a tourist, there's this great service where you can buy for a lump sum uh, a pass that gives you free access to virtually all the uh, the JR trains. So basically the main network from Japan for trains, you know, the bullet trains, the Shinkansen. So they give you all free access to virtually all of them, which is really nice the problem is that you're just going from city center to city center and of course you can take the local trains which is good and then but what we typically do is in addition to that we rent a car driving in japan is easy i mean it's nothing like even the big cities i mean okay i haven't driven to tokyo or osaka looks pretty scary but the the main cities is um, quiet and slow just remember that the drive on the left side i mean <laughs> that's that's the challenging <laughs> part i would say i've lived in the uk so i uh, i'm surviving there but uh yeah so that's uh, one of the tricky things to do car rental is not that expensive and it opens up uh, a lot what you cannot reach with buses so. so many people probably have on their bucket list a point to visit Japan, which not many people can do more than once because of, you know, many reasons, distance, cost, maybe other barriers. But you are lucky enough because you are traveling there, going to to Japan quite often, from what I take. And you are also married to a Japanese lady. So you know also the, the language. That's That's another benefit. What would you recommend for someone who would like to go maybe only once to Japan or do a few trips? A lot of tourists stay in the Tokyo, Kyoto, Nara, Hiroshima area. I would say, okay, that's fine, but go north as well, northern Tokyo. So the, the areas that I pointed out are southwest. But there is this whole interesting area north of Tokyo that seems to be relatively starved of tourists. And it's certainly as interesting as the, you know, the other areas. I mean, Kyoto, of course, is, you know, cutting gorgeous temples. But you also discover that the temples are just piggly piggly spread through the city. I did the pilgrimage. I walked the pilgrimage in in Chichibu. It's very close to Tokyo, but not even that many tourists are coming there. It's completely undeserved because it's the temples are beautiful, the areas are nice. So, like I said, I mean, break 
it's just like in in Iceland where you got the golden triangle, and a lot of people spend their time there, and then you discover that there's this whole enormous well, actually it's tiny because Iceland Iceland is tiny, but it, it is this whole area that is just as interesting, right? And these days, when you go to Japan, do you immediately go to those areas that are less popular for tourists immediately, or you stay sometime in Tokyo or Kyoto or somewhere else, and then you travel out? So typically, we stay in the Kawakoe area or Saitama uh, for a couple of days before our return flight. But when we arrive, we basically move out of Tokyo as quickly as possible, go north, stay there. Also, quite often we need to to stay at my parents' lot place, but <laughs> yeah, but we, we typically stay as little in Tokyo because it's expensive. Uh, eating is expensive, staying is expensive, and uh, yeah, of course we've seen it. I still like to go and take street photography in Tokyo. Of course, is very nice. I, I guess also the benefit is that you don't have so many tourists in those areas, and you can see the real local ambience and the culture that is not influenced by tourists. Oh, it's completely different experience. And also the interaction that you're having, even if you don't speak Japanese, the interaction is more, so much more uh, rewarding than in Tokyo. I mean, I was the last time I was really in Tokyo was with a couple of friends from Sweden. We spent uh, quite a bit of time in Shinjuku uh, because uh, that's, that's where we, they wanted to go. It was tourists virtually everywhere. And the shops are then also, yeah, lots of chain shops. And, you know, it's uh, it's quite a bit different uh, experience if you go to a little town. More and more people speak English. Uh, more and more signs are in Roman language, uh, Roman script. Uh, so you can read it at least. It's not just kanji that you have no idea how it's going to be pronounced. When I first went there, it was like, you know, if you're moving outside of Tokyo and Kyoto and Osaka, then you wouldn't even know what station you arrived in because you wouldn't have seen the, the Japanese script. But now, of course, they got all these different uh, things. They 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 recognize that it's difficult for for tourists to 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 read it. They're investing, of course, in Japanese language training. Although the schools are uh, people are really hesitant to 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 speak it uh, because they don't speak it too well, and they're focusing a lot on grammar and not so much on speaking, uh, which of course is is what they. In, in the end, are... I think it's it's natural. I mean, if they don't have so much possibilities of practicing, they might feel shy, like everyone else who is uh, studying a foreign language. You you're shy until you you have the chance to really practice it with someone else who already speaks it for a bit longer than than you are. Yeah, no. So the 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 more remote towns, and I'm not even saying small towns, but. You know, the, the town's a little bit further away from, from Tokyo. You get a, a nicer experience. And is there anything that you would give advice to someone who wants to visit Japan but is, for example, hesitant because of thinking that they might have language barriers or there will be a cultural shock? What would you recommend for someone who goes for the first time to Japan for a week or two? How to prepare themselves? before the trip, and uh, maybe again, few names of the cities that are really worth visiting, except for those typical like Tokyo or Kyoto. So this is a little to prepare. I mean, read the guidebooks about the cultural traps 
one of the cultural traps is the toilet slippers. So, I mean, you're wearing slippers in the apartments. Uh, each time you go into a, a lavatory or a toilet, you need to change into the toilet slippers. So they've got a separate pairs of slippers inside the toilets, which you change into. And then when you come out, you're supposed to change into your normal slippers again. So what happens to every tourist who goes to Japan is that they remember to change into the slippers. And then when they leave the toilet, then they completely forget that they're wearing the toilet slippers and they step into the house or in the toilet slippers. Of course, that is a faux pas, which is, that's quite embarrassing. Uh, happened to me. I, it's, it's one of those things that, that will happen to everyone. It's, it's considered, of course, dirty and it's not dirty. So it's not really a, an actual problem. It's just a cultural faux pas. Like I said, on tatamis, don't wear shoes or, or slippers. One of the things is that people don't do in Japan is eating, drinking while walking. So you go to a convenience store or whatever, you're thirsty, or you go to a vending machine, you buy some drinks or some snacks. You're supposed to stand and consume those. You're not supposed to walk down the street while eating a burger or a rice bowl or something like that. It's these little things. Nobody will tell you off for it, of course. It's Nobody will point out that it's wrong. But Nobody does it. So, although I'm sure that is one of those things that probably will change over time. So, as for areas to recommend, Aomori, Iwate, Akita definitely is underrepresented by the tourists. And I would really, really like people to go there. Even if you don't want to go that far, I had a great time in Chichibu, uh, which is basically home of a very famous pilgrimage which you don't need to walk, but you've got a lot of temples there that are really a lot of fun. Otherwise, the Sea of Japan, so on the other side of the uh, Japan, are very, very nice areas. So they're not far. There's even Shinkansen going there. If you like hiking, you've got the whole uh, Japanese Alps in the middle, very famous area for tourists. I, we walked there. We stayed at a lodge. It was, it was awesome. It was nice. It's, but that's quite popular for tourists, so people are aware of that. Kamikochi, it's called. It's very nice. So, I mean, I've been to, to Kyoto. I've been to Nara. I like those places. Um, they're, they're absolutely enjoyable. But if you're really more interested in Japan, and not the, just the old Japan, but the modern Japan, but the countryside is, is very interesting. Of course, you've got the old enormous big cities, which, I mean, uh, maybe not a person than me likes those, but I've had enough of London and Paris and New York and those places. If I go to Japan, I, I will try to go for more than one week so I can experience both the, the bigger cities, but also a bit of outside and the nature because I, I like to hike. The very nice hikes, yeah. Like I said, I mean, if you really want a, a big hike, then there is an 88 Temples pilgrimage. People walk there, I think, about two weeks or something, from temple to temple. The pilgrimages are fun because at temple one, you buy a little booklet and then you go from temple to temple and they will do some calligraphy in the temple. Um, there you go. So I got a book filled with 34 temples of Chichibu. 
I have at least one more question. I, I mean, I was it was mind blowing to hear about the toilet slippers, <laughs> and I think this this is a brilliant idea, right? Because of the hygiene, and I think I will introduce toilet slippers at my home. I have a question: Do you have toilet slippers at your home? No, you don't. No, so the the slippers in Japan. I mean, I don't have very big feet, but the problem with slippers in Japan is that so everybody will the moment you go in, people will hand you slippers and they never fit. They're basically they're just dangling from my toes. So that's problem number one. Uh, so the toilet slippers everywhere. It's just a token. So I go in there, I wear them, but my heels are <laughs> sliding off the back of the slipper. But the toilet slippers are infamous. I have another question about toilet slippers. <laughs> are there different in size, color, or shape, or any other form from the normal slippers? Yes, they're very recognizable. So that's why immediately people notice. Then you make the faux pas of exiting the toilet in your toilet slippers. Yeah. So they're typically plasticky green. So they're not the you know the the slippers that you typically get offered when you offer enter in a house or an office, I would always say what, what my mother would like to wear, sort of the embroidered or, you know, a little tissue type of uh, homely slippers. Of course, the toilet slippers are, yeah, made of plastic and they're completely different, harsh colors, uh, green or something, yellow or something, and they're, they're stick out and people immediately rush towards you and stop you from moving when they notice that you are still wearing the toilet slippers. Believe it or not, I had yet another question about toilet slippers. Is it a one pair for everyone at home or everyone has their own toilet slippers? No, it is like uh, one one or two pairs. Uh, and Or if you are in the staying at a, a Leocon with a common toilet then there are probably six seven pairs so where you're supposed to slide in and typically they might have one or two different sizes but it's very small or too small and like i said i got like size 44 43 44 uh, max so i'm not i'm not having huge feet i pity the poor guys who have like four size 46 or something like that because it will dangle from their big toe before we wrap it up, is there anything else you would like to share with me and uh, and our listeners about uh, Japan, about your ex your experiences, different experiences in Japan, about the culture, about the country? Well, I don't want to have scared people with all the little rules that I mentioned. So, as a non-Japanese, you're expected to 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 make mistakes. So don't worry about it too much. That's that's what I was going to tell people. It's you're you're expected to screw up. And that's not a problem. And people will politely guide you and making things uh, sure that everything goes fine. Um like I said, I mean I went into Ryokan and they didn't have the size of the cotton uh, kimono for me, which of course is quite embarrassing because I'm slightly smaller now but I used to be much bigger and it just wouldn't fit around my belly which basically leaves you with exposing too much chest and your your legs are just poking out 
it's not nice. Uh, so they will find solutions for you. Uh, and what I did in the end, I just bought something or wore a t-shirt underneath it. So I was like, so yeah, don't worry about these side of things because like I said, you're, you're expected to mess up. That's, uh, that's perfectly fine. So don't worry about it. Just go and enjoy the, the, cul- the country, the culture, the people and nature. Yeah, exactly. And then and do what people tell you, like, oh, you need to be respectful and stuff. And of course, but just do your own thing, right? I mean, so there are yeah, a lot of unwritten rules um, that you're just not going to be aware of. Just do what you normally do. That's, that's good enough. And just make sure that you have fun. I would like to thank Hans for taking us on this exciting journey to the land of the rising sun and talking about his experience traveling around Japan and taking baths in onsen. If you are interested to learn more about the onsens Hans mentioned earlier, visit this episode's show notes. We list most of the names there together with the links to Hans' photography album and his videos of his visits to onsen. I have to say that thanks to this conversation, going to Japan jumped a few points higher on my bucket list. Oh, and I definitely will be introducing toilet slippers in my house. The music that plays in the background is played on koto, the Japanese national instrument. I include the link to Wikipedia's article about Koto in the show notes as well, together with the links to the music featured in this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can find lots of subscription options to different services and apps on our page, chroniclesofcuriouscharacters.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.